Welcome to today's episode of the Waterfall Podcast. We are going to give you guys a little treat today. I'm going to read from a back issue of Professional Mariner Magazine, a journal of the maritime industry. It's issue number 37 from December, January 1999. And I'm happy to start with a little story. Um, I got this um, copy of Professional Mariner from Ron Burchette, who is Uncle Ron to my kids. It's their grandma's boyfriend, and uh, he has lived a very interesting life and he's filled with stories and I'm going to share the story of Successful Shipbuilder Uses a Different Scale by Alan Haig Brown. A hull for the new class of heavid ship docking module is complete. The main house for Crowley's 150 foot escort tug is being painted. A tractor tug in the colors of Hawaii's Smith Towing is finished and a tank tanker is awaiting new engines. The yard where his work, this work is being done, is simultaneously building Z Drive, Voith Schneider, and conventional propulsion tugs, making it undoubtedly the busiest boat yard on the west coast, and quite possibly the busiest in North America. Nowhere are the designs so of so many elite naval architects being worked on at the same time. What's the catch? The scale of the vessels. The owner of the yard, located in the little community of Ladysmith on southern Vancouver Island, is the consummate boat modeler, Ron Burchette. With several subcontractors, all located all over the globe, turning out custom-built components from scaled-down lifeboat canisters to working cyclodial drives. Burchette is fanatical, fan, fan, fanatical, fanatical about the details of his half-inch to the foot, one to two-four scale models, but the detailed perfection of Burchette's models isn't the only reason why some of the world's major tug designers and owners ask him to build their advanced designs. Burchette has demonstrated an uncanny ability to scale the horsepower, bollard pole, and even the timed responsiveness of controls so that his models replicate the vessel's actual operation. Burchette has long enjoyed a local fame in the West Coast maritime and modeling communities. Two years ago, he caught the attention of industry leaders gathered at the International Tug and Salvage Conference in Seattle, where he demonstrated his fleet. Last year, he was invited to repeat the demonstration at the workboat show in New Orleans. And this year, he delivered a paper on his work at the ITS conference in South Africa. This exposure was the first step towards Burchette's dream of getting working mariners back in touch with working models. Raised in the tiny fishing 
and logging community of Tofino on Vancouver Island's west coast, Bruchette learned from his infancy about boats, from their design to their building and their navigation. In North America boat building, as it has been since the first log rafts the world over, there was a time when models, both half-hull and full-hull, were the texts of vessel design. Designers, builders, and navigators were often the same person, so that those who designed the models had first-hand experience of how the vessel would handle. In British Columbia, this tradition is following, it was followed in the native communities where huge seagoing canoes were dug out from giant red cedar trees, then steam softened for the addition of beam. In the late 19th century, builders arrived from Newfoundland, Japan, Scotland, Scandinavia, and other maritime centers. And I'm just going to read the caption on the picture of Ron with his boat, Burchette in his shipyard, with the hull of a 1 to 24 scale model of Crowley's new 153 foot 8,000 HP escort tug Nanook. The model will be complete with working colloidal drives. <clears throat> Add to the rich amalgam of boat building knowledge. Burchette's dad lives the West Coast life, fishing in the summer and towing logs in winter. At six, Burchette was out on his dad's fishing boat. At ten, he was standing wheel watches on the slow old log tows while his dad napped. Ashore, he was hanging out with in John Hansen's boatyard. I learned by osmosis, Burchette said. Before our boats had radar, I could navigate through the islands and inlets in the fog by wave direction, tide lines, and the wind on my cheek. In the boatyard, he collected the hardwood plugs that fell under the ways. When he had enough that were reusable, old Mr. Hansen would use his bandsaw to cut the boy a fine yellow cedar block for a model hull. First Nations carvers of totems and model canoes taught him to carve red and yellow cedar hulls in the native way by pulling the knife rather than pushing. You just see the shape you want in the wood and carve away the parts that you don't want, they said. At the end of the dock in Tofino, there was enough tidal current that Ron was able to do his first hull test in real conditions. I would tow the models from a line on the end of a fishing rod to feel how much horsepower they needed and move through the water, to move through the water and watch the squat on the stern for their hull speeds, he recalled. I could sit on the end of the dock at Tofino and hold the model out in the tide and waves from the westerly and watch the boat wallow. While some might think growing up in an isolated fishing community limits a child's opportunities, it was an advantage for Burchette. In a similar way, he sees the slight dyslexia that gave him some difficulty in school as an advantage. 
It allows him to visually visualize complex forms in three dimensions and drove his creative attention to build details of function and style. I learned that I could build a pretty boat for the same amount of materials as an ugly boat, he said. And the caption under this photo is, Brochette's models are valued by designers, builders, and operators. <clears throat> Maybe I'll start with the caption on this picture. Above, Brochette's models have been used by designers to test new tugboat concepts, including Hevides SDM Wright. The C-SPAN Commodore and C-SPAN Forester entertained thousands at Expo 86 by dumping and then recovering the logs with onboard cranes. Oh, cool. In 1958, as a 10-year-old boy, he piloted a yacht into the local river's estuary. The owners gave him a copy of William Garden's plan book and a slide rule. He now had all of the components for a traditional maritime career as a boat builder, boat designer, and handler. Moving to Vancouver in the early 1960s to finish secondary school, he worked summers on towboats. After graduating, he continued working on the boats in the shipyard, including the legendary Matsumoto shipyard in North Vancouver, where the transition from wood to aluminum was being pioneered. <clears throat> Later, he worked with Arthur McLaren, who designed and built some of the coast's most important steel ships. While, all the while, Burchette was building his models. He learned to make them with radio controls. When he couldn't find a bow thruster for a model of a new steel salmon scener that he was fishing on, he made one. Through the 1970s and 80s, he found himself working on several projects that needed his wide range of knowledge, including the design and fabrication of fish plants and fish boats. Uniquely in these modern times, he routinely went to work on the boats whose buildings he had overseen. This kept him in touch with the West Coast gumboot perspective. If a fair lead didn't lead fair or a stern wasn't set, was setting too low, Burchette suffered the consequences along with the rest of the vessel's crew. <clears throat> Burchette has consistently attracted the attention of industry leaders. In 1984, when Ridge Wilson wanted an owner's representative at Allied Shipyards for the construction of the 72-foot McLean design raised forecast forecastle tug Bandera, Burchette got the job. It was at Ally that he came under the tutelage of the McLaren family, Scottish tradition of shipbuilding. <laughs> Patriarch Arthur McLaren, who had built most of the significant ships on the Canadian West Coast, was a good many and a good many for the Arctic, added significantly to Burchette's training. He's he is inspiration to me as such a talented person who learned from the school of hard knocks, Burchette said. As was his practice, Burchette went to work on the Bandera as an engineer. But in 1985, he made the commitment to build a scale model of the 142-foot 
5,750 HP Tug C-SPAN Commodore at the 3 to the 8th inch to the foot scale. In addition, he built a model of the 457-foot self-dumping log barge C-SPAN Forester with their two little boom boats the tug and the barge thrilled thousands at Expo 86 as they dumped the log load and then, with working cranes, loaded the logs back aboard. At 52 inches for the tug and just over 14 feet for the 16,000-pound displacement barge, they continued to be a favorite among armchair and professional mariners alike. This took the dream and got the funding from corporate sponsors in the marine industry and in the model business. Brichette said, I still work with Dumas models in Tucson, Arizona and Futaba radio equipment in Los Angeles. Expo 86 went on for five months with his boats running up work type boat work boat type hours which taught Brichette to build robust equipment. It also led to his sale of kits. Now he has 27 models, each with its own shipyard drawings to scale. The next industry leader to call on Brichette was Westminster's Tug Russ Cooper, who ordered a working model of his Z-Drive Westminster Hunter on 1985, 1989 that is. While it wasn't ordered specifically as a training tool, it did give master exper- master's experience with conventional tugs an opportunity to try out the Z-Drive in scale before taking on the real thing. Cooper, an avid tow boater himself, was reported to have worn out the original set of gears in running the model in his pool. Watching the little Westminster Hunter model operating for all of 30 minutes take the fear out of the Z-Drive tug for experienced skippers and help them develop what Brichette calls the concept of vector technology. Got him excited about the training potential of models. He went on to build models of the Z-Drive tugs C-SPAN Hawk and Falcon, which drew more attention from professionals at demonstrations. It was in training with these models that Brichette realized he had to do something about the unrealistically quick response of the models is is was four times faster because of the scale he said so we designed a computer control system with a built-in adjustable time delay to simulate reality with each model we find a sweet spot between scale and the real thing that is the most effective for training that was the final missing link in the training modules I'll start with a caption. Brichette is excited about the training potential for his models. He plans a series of models featuring computer-enhanced control systems and data logging for various tug functions. Since his first towed, since his first towed his carved hulls on the end of a fishing rod, Brichette has appreciated the function of models in design concept development. 
when Jim Cole's scale manager with Naval Architects Elliott Bay Design Group approached him for consultation on the early stages of the Hefid ship docking module SDM. He brought both his practical and theoretical knowledge to work on the subject PM number 29. The team sent plans back and forth and Brichette finally built a 1-24 to scale model of version 5 or 6. Working in secret, Brichette tested the model with his twin drives in opposing corners, first in a nearby lake and then in the with the architects in Seattle's Lake Union. The SDM was the first of what Brichette called a concept model. It was used to provide the revolutionary concept to both the architects and designers. As a result of the model testing, changes were made to the vessels to the real vessel's hull design. The owners used the model to familiarize themselves with the SDM capacities and demonstrate the advantage of those capabilities to port officials. Reporting of this success in the maritime press as well as his continued participation at various industry events has brought Burchette a new level of acceptance in the professional marine community. When Seattle-based naval architect Guido Perla and Associates Designed the new Crowley Escort Tugs for Alaska. Go brush your teeth. Pardon me. Brichette approached them to put together a comprehensive training package, including a 1 to 24 scale model of the new 153 foot, 8,000 HP Escort Tug Nanook. It was a further vote of the confidence in the skill and understanding of vessel dynamics. The model will be overpowered to 10,000 HP to test the limits, Burchette said. Then we can scale back down to operational training. The 25-foot tanker model waiting on a trailer in Burchette's yard will be overpowered for similar tests of limits of controlling and stopping. This is also a convenience in getting the ship up to scale speed. The further example of the trust put in Burchette's work was shown by Voice Schneider when they built, sent him complete working drawings to aid him in building scale Voice Schneider drives. But to make it work on this scale, I had to use some design ideas from Frederick Kirsten as well, said Burchette in reference to the often forgotten Seattle engineer who pioneered cycloidal drives in Puget Sound in the 1920s or 30s. Last February, Burchette worked with the tank testing of Robert Allen's 146-foot Z-Drive escort tug at the University of British Columbia. We towed the hull and also did propulsion tests, he said. Then we used the model towing carriage, carriage as a tanker and did a whole series of tests for indirect mode. We pushed the model to the point where we demonstrated very successful results. Other work is ongoing with Robert Allen's first revolutionary 137.3 foot 9,200 9, HP drive tug. In using Ron's self-propelled models, we were able to do the usual hull form work as well as testing steering and braking forces. Robert Allen said that said of design work of the escort tug, which is currently building in Spain for a Norwegian customer. Because he is doing work for such a variety of naval architects, 
Brochette keeps drawings on a hinged table that can be folded up to the ceiling to protect preliminary drawings from unplanned exposure. While the testing of the model designs continues to fascinate Brochette, he is equally excited about the training potential of these models. It was to a it was to address the crucial element that he prepared for his presentation in ITS in South Africa this fall. He planned his he based his plans on a series of models featuring computer enhanced control systems and data logging of propulsion power winch tension propulsion power winch tension inclinometer accelerometer and DGPS with variable controls to allow scale to real-time maneuverability. Maneuvering. Training would not be limited to tug captains, as Burchette had discovered. After consulting with the local pilotage authority and tug companies, it was recognized that an up-to-date training system utilizing working voice Schneider propulsion VSP and ship docking module SDM and our therming our Zoomithing stern drive AZD model tugs in conjunction with the large tanker model would give dynamic results to be able to test the arrest and control scenarios that had been proposed in the event of a loss of power or steering, he said. Never one to settle for the status quo, Burchette had begun working on moving from hand-held radio-controlled equipment to full-size control consoles that stimulate, simulate the conditions of the vessel being represented. This would make the transition from the model to full-size vessel much easier, he said. We also plan to develop improved data feedback such as video from the models back to the console and thrust position monitoring. In an era when specialization is all too often driven a wedge of knowledge between design office of Tug Wheelhouse and Tug Wheelhouse, people like Brochette are needed. With their great ability on the boat deck combined with broad design and construction experience, they can give the art of boat handling its just recognition. Brochette, with five decades around boats, has utilized modern modeling technology to reintegrate skills in a maritime training approach that meets the contemporary definition of best available technology. And that is the 1999 Professional Mariner, a story of Ron Brichette. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Waterfowl. Have a good day. another memory of when I went to the eyeglass place to get an arm of my glasses that had broken off and the screw lost reattached but once I got back to granny's from the eyeglass store it had broken off again and so Ron the meticulous man that he is with his skills and tools got some uh, screw for the glasses put this like lock thing in that was like a screw locker so it's like a glue that goes into the hole where the screw 
fits into the hinge for the arm of the glasses. And, you know, it, the way that it can get done better at home by someone who cares and has these sort of like fine-tuning techniques and de- attention to detail rather than taking it to the store and having it break right away sort of like ask me where the real experts are <laughs> and I guess the real inspiration uh, that you know we are do-it-yourselfers and I really love it when Ron and my youngest child talk about what he's building or she seems to be technically inclined and I really want to I'm not so to have people and mentors who can sort of show her what she wants to know more than me is so meaningful and watching Ron fix my glasses after I'd been to the optometrist who had just fixed them and then they broke was a way for us to understand how much you know we could do ourselves. We can do it all ourselves. We can figure it out and we can be diligent and um, you know, able to solve our problems. I usually just use tape whenever I'm fixing my glasses, but that's because I don't have any of that super special lock glue. Anyways, I want to thank everyone for listening and uh you know, just feel the wind on your cheeks, waterfowlers. Have a good night. Bye-bye.